You are listening to Digging In Podcast, presented by Rooted Wealth Advisors. Welcome back to another episode of the Digging In Podcast. I'm your host, Kincho Kelly, helping you get those questions answered to and through retirement. And that's right, ladies and gentlemen, I finally captured him right here in the wild. Mr. Zach Gray is back again for another appearance on the Digging In Podcast. Excited to be here and let's dive on. Hey, man. Uh, glad to see you back around. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know you've been traveling all over the por- uh, all over the place lately. Um, we'll get into that uh, at another time, but there's a, a hot topic right now that I've seen some headlines on. Something about uh, a bank um, maybe going defunct. Few of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A few of them. All I could think about is uh, it's a wonderful life and the run on banks. Um, for those of us that have been living under rocks or aren't quite as familiar with you or at, with the situation as you are, help us walk through what's going on right now. Well, I think that there was a big shock that hit the banking world. And then thus, you've obviously seen this in the stock market and just economics of really the world being shifted just a little bit here in recent past. And so we initially saw this with some banks on the West Coast. And that was really this big red flag of, whoa, what's going on here? And then that was followed up shortly thereafter with some information from the feds, which we can get into. And then even on a worldwide scale, the question of how strong are these banking institutions? So, you know, here as of recent, this has become a massive topic of conversation and, and we can dive in a little bit. Yeah, I know uh, one of our uh, prospective clients, um, we were at an event open up in Oak Brook and she asked, she's like, what about the FDIC insurance? Like, how is this affecting um, my money in the bank? Do I need to go get my money out of the bank right now? Um, what specifically was going on with SVB? That question's going through a lot of people's minds. We've fielded one or two calls here at the office, or have at least stepped uh, one or two clients through that via the, our review process as we've sat down here in 2023 for some reviews. But SVB is one good example of that Silicon Valley Bank is what we're referencing here. That is one great example of a banking institution that simply... Um, went defunct based on some decisions. Those were really based around, from what I understand, and just as a quick disclaimer, we're not in the banking world here, but from what we're hearing, from what we're seeing, from what we're digesting from all the analysts that we see information from, they did a few things. Um, They leveraged some bonds over a, a window of time, and because of what interest rates have done over the last 18 months or so, they just didn't timely uh, place those bonds into play for themselves, meaning that they could have gotten much better returns if they just would have waited for a more timely uh, position of those funds to those bonds. Now, you follow that up with, in essence, Silicon Valley. You know, Kinch, I'm sure what jumps to your mind is tech mm-hmm. and, and maybe a little bit more aggressive um, business structure. That is 100% the case. Mm-hmm. And so if you look to see what's been going on with small cap, And what I mean by that is, of course, more of a technology base to, say, even the stock market. Well, things have drastically changed over the last 18 months. We saw peak to valley, that number be over a third last year in terms of a drop, 40%, if not greater for some companies. And you see this a lot as you start to look at companies like like Facebook or Meta, massive layoffs. We've heard about that in terms of Twitter. Um, The list really goes on and on. And, And some would even correlate companies like Amazon to be more more tech 
you know, type of basis than they really are in terms of just consumer staples or products. The point ends up being you combine the fact that there was massive interest rate risk to how some of those bank assets were deployed, followed by the fact of that, that niche piece of the puzzle, those tech companies being at a point where they were making some massive layoffs, big changes in stock price, big changes in their outlook. You combine the unhealth of those particular companies with some of the just not timely positioning of mm-hmm. some of those bond assets. Now, all of a sudden, we're kind of in a recipe for disaster. Yeah. You follow that up with people pulling some funds out. And next thing you know, well, the FDIC has to step in because simply bank asset <laughs> ratio versus debt load, combine that with what performance looks like on how those long-term assets were applied. And once again, we could get really into the weeds here of that, but mm-hmm. it's important just to know that, hey, probably didn't get the, the right interest rates on some of that money. You combine that with kind of a, a little sector of the market that just hasn't been doing all that well in terms of business. And now all of a sudden we got a bit of a recipe for some disaster here. Yeah, absolutely. Well, when you say Silicon Valley, I think about a funny show on HBO. Um, <laughs> this is, this is, that's a good time. But but coming back to, to the, the banking world, I probably have a little inside baseball because I've been hearing you talk about the bond market for the past two years, which is not something I knew about, but something I've heard you say repeatedly. It's like when you take into account the bond market with all the other indexes, and if they actually counted uh, or calculated inflation like they have in the past, then we'd be looking at double digits. That kind of was a peek behind the curtain, if you will, for me, because I didn't understand that there was a separate bond market. So for a bank not to be positioning themselves well, seems like massive oversight, but then the FDIC did have to step in. Yeah. So just a couple <clears throat> little nuggets there. Uh, there's a bit of an economic seesaw, if you will. If, if interest rates go up, just high level bonds were going to go down. And you saw the reverse of that with Bernanke back in the 2008 crisis. It was as if we were cutting interest rates to kind of ease our, ourselves out of this recession. And because of that, bonds were, were almost exploding, right? Mm-hmm. And you kind of think back to, I remortgaged my home uh, twice in a two-year period mm-hmm. just because it made sense, right? So that is the truth of the matter. And, and you can take that you know, to the bank, no pun intended, I guess, is that or not, (laughs) it is one of those things where just understanding, you know, what that looks like from a data perspective, right? What they're trying to do with inflation is to tame it. And it's because yes, it's running at very high numbers. That is a true statement. If we truly put a valuation on inflation, the way that we did back in the late seventies, early eighties, you know, my parents speak of, Hey, when we bought our first house or, or, you know, or built our first home, now all of a sudden it's like these interest rates are, are double digits. You know, it, it's just hard to, to to think back on those times because that was some of the highest that we ever saw in U.S. history. Mm-hmm. But it is the reason that we're raising interest rates. But once again, that has been the slippery slope in terms of those, specifically those bank assets. Mm-hmm. But past that, a recession. Um, are we there? Is it looming? All of these questions um, are ones that many folks are, are looking at. Economists are starting to study truly looking at where the data sets on that. But it is important to understand that the FDIC did step in. And I think this is maybe a good segue to the second half of this conversation is that they stepped in and said, hey, you know, FDIC insurance, we're good. We're going to take care of, you know, those those shareholders in that bank. Well, as many of you know, um, frankly, you know, Kinch, is that that's only going to cover about a quarter Mm -hmm. million of assets. And so, and yeah, they can be broken up by, you know, who owns what, and is there another entity like a trust or, or a business that owns those assets? 
but there's only so many ways you can split that pie. Right. So now all of a sudden they said, well, you know what? FDIC insurance is going to step in. By the way, a little side note, if, if banks failed, there's not enough FDIC insurance to take care of all banks. Right. Uh, I just want to make sure that that's clear to all of our listeners as has well. has to be very limited. Yeah. It's yep. less than 10% of <clears throat> banks um, would be covered with the FDIC insurance we have in play. Now, I guess at the end of the day, Uncle Sam does run the printing presses. Now, if we printed enough money to cover all banks, we would greatly yeah. devalue the dollar. Yeah, you're getting hyperinflation. I yeah. mean, we would it, it would just be insanity. You're getting into $10,000 bills being in circulation just to cover the cost of, you know, a a coke. Correct. I mean it would be it would be wild. Yeah. I mean, I don't think that we'll ever get to that point. I pray that we'll never get to that point. But my point is is that FDIC insurance can only cover so much. And that is where they took yet another step, Kinch, and they said, well, if that's the case, we'll step in. Let's take care of all of it. You know, if Mr. and Mrs. Shareholder, you had more than a quarter of a million in the bank, we'll step in. We're going to take care of everything. This is where I think that we start to contemplate, is that the right decision? Right. It gave us a lot of peace of mind here in the U.S. of A. to say, okay, hey, they're going to step in in their entirety. I will say there's two things that happened shortly thereafter. One of which began this question of, wait a minute, back to my comment, just made, inflation, is it such high numbers? Mm -hmm. Does this mean that we're just going to, we now have to print more money? In theory, mm -hmm. we have to circulate more money. Right. Where's it coming from? Where's it coming from? Mm -hmm. And thus, we start to question, will this start to undo all of the work that we've done to try to, once again, tame inflation by, by raising some of these interest rates? Mm -hmm. Paul himself was put in a really tough position here at his last conversation about a rate hike. It was kind of like, really, Kinch, darned if he did and yeah. darned if he didn't. Because if he didn't, he would kind of fall victim to, well, are we really scared about this? Should mm -hmm. we, we didn't want to breed fear back into the public. On the flip side of the coin, if he raised rates at all, he was tightening even that much further which thus could obviously tighten from a banking perspective back to the whole babble of, of, of this from a banking perspective. But then also, once again, even with a really small rate hike, and he only did a quarter of a point. It's the smallest done you know, to date by, by, by Fed Chair Powell. Right. But it is a slippery slope for him. I mean, that's the definition of rock in a hard place, right? Yes. Um, also, I think I had somewhere in the neighborhood of $35 million in SVB. You know, if they're going to pay everybody back, <laughs> let's make sure I get... Mine. I think they're going to want you on the books, <coughs> is the sad news. Ah, there's the... That's an IOU. I, um, <laughs> those are just as good as money, though. Maybe. Um, um, but you're right. It does lead to the next question, because I I try and avoid a lot of major news, because I, I just don't need that negativity in my life. Uh, but I did run across something about a, a, big, a big headline about oil being traded in the Chinese yen. Um, Saudi Arabia brokering a peace deal um, between you know Russia and China, them joining the block uh, economies with Brazil and Venezuela. So these aren't countries that are very um, friendly to the states. Um, what would it mean for the U.S. to lose the the fact that oil is traded in the U.S. dollar? Well, we're not there yet, right? So I just want to make sure that we're clear on that. Um, and like yourself. I think that we have to be well, um, well informed, right. but we don't ever want to breed fear into to our clients mm -hmm. or or those that we present to in any way, shape, or form. So, just full disclaimer there. Um, 
two things when it comes to anything overseas. If we pick up the conversation of um, just those few banks in the U.S., only a few short days later, we started to realize that there's some concern in terms of strength for some some European banks as well, and that I think reignited some 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 concerns and fires specific to the banking world. So it was one thing for us to say, "Oh, it's just these few banks. They kind of got these niche investments or businesses that are banking here. That's why it didn't work out." Then when we followed that up with what we saw from some Swiss banks, some European influence, and we realized, whoa, they might be in kind of a tough spot as well, Mm. then that once again reignited some fears. If you compound those fears with strength of the U.S. dollar for a multitude of reasons, maybe if it's not only just on our strength here in the US of A, but what is it looking like in in the case that some company or some companies, some countries position away from the US dollar as a whole Mm -hmm. or don't respect it? Or once again, even certain segments of the world or markets, commodities being one of them, oil being a massive conversation piece that we're getting a lot of information on the day to day or definitely on the week to week here. I would say that that would be a crushing blow for strength of U.S. dollar, and that will be of massive, massive concern. And that's why I do think that the the rock and the hard place conversation, to circle back to that, it was very tough, I think, for Paul to make that, that decision based on data sets he was seeing here in the U.S. Mm-hmm. He then had to take into consideration, what is this looking like overseas? And there becomes question marks of saying, is some of these tactical moves in terms of alliances, agreements, of which of ways uh, people value and or respect that res- the, the U.S. dollar? Do they mm-hmm. trade in different blocks or different ways, different monetary currencies from other countries from around the world? He wants to make sure to not tighten this thing too much here right. for the U.S., but he wants to make sure not to tighten it too much to, to upset you know, some of our alliances overseas as well. Right. So truly a rock and a hard place. Oil in itself would be once again a crushing blow. And that's why you've seen here in just recent weeks, these real volatile figures in terms of what we've seen with oil prices, Mm -hmm. energy prices, even from a futures perspective, it's very tough to predict because once again, we're seeing a lot of conversation and a lot of acting overseas. Yeah, absolutely. The only parallel I think I can have to it is I'm old enough to remember when the Euro was put in place. That's about the only, you know, I guess, uh, comparison I have to like, is it, is it really going to be this strong? Is it really going to give us a run for our money? And the euros traded neck and neck, maybe a dollar, a dollar 50 higher at times. But, uh, I've never seen anything remotely like this where it does finally feel like, uh, it's us against them, I guess, you know, yeah, I think that, you know, and it, once again, I, I think that it definitely feels that way. I think we definitely have to have our eyes open to that and maybe is a good place to even kind of circle back to the whole point of this conversation, I think, is just for, for our clients and for those of you out watching and listening is just to kind of be aware. Um, my hope and prayer is, is that, you know, we do have kind of this soft landing that, you know, that we're shooting for from an economic perspective, trying to make sure that we... We do cool inflation. I do believe, and I've said it many times throughout the last 18 months, and I'll say it again, I think the markets are really driven currently on inflationary data. And you see that time and time again as 
no matter no matter what stance Fed Chair Powell takes, now all of a sudden, you know, he's really dictating how where does the market go from here. I think that yes, we're very well aware that these outside influences outside the U.S. could greatly turn the tide, and and that doesn't just stop with just oil or energy, mm-hmm. because of once again it goes right back to value of dollar. And then that would start to breed all kinds of fears. And once again, this podcast is not based around the idea of kind of spitfiring, where could this thing go? But I just would say that, you know, they become real fears, you know, inflation, hyperinflation, things of that nature become a conversation that you have to at least keep your ear to the ground on. So I think, you know, what we've learned is, is that, yeah, we are probably able to take care of of these few banks. I do feel as if we need to be well aware of where do we go from here with inflation? Once again, I think that the big fear there is, hey, we bail all these folks out, not the end of the world. However, now we're circulating a lot more dollars. Mm -hmm. And if once again, if we're scared that this could happen and we slow down these interest rate hikes, the question ultimately ends up being, well, did all of that work that we did, number one, does it come to fruition the way that we'd hoped? Or will, once again, it just not make the impact that we were after? So um, more to tell. But once again, I think the good news is, is that it seems to right now be segmented to only a, a few subset of banks, followed by those at power trying to keep their ear to the ground. But yeah, there's a large um, global view that we have to keep in mind. And once again, I think the goal here is just to make sure that uh, people are aware of what's going on in the world, as well as the fact of just giving them some things to be thinking about and chewing on. I was going to ask you for light at the end of the tunnel, a little hope. I didn't want to end on uh, on that note. So thank you for uh, for giving us a soft place to land, as you, as you like to say. Uh, I think that'll do it for us today. Uh, thanks for joining us for another episode of the Digging In Podcast. Hey, Zach wants to sit down with you and answer all your block questions, right? Oh, uh, no. If you've got any questions about anything financially related, make sure to give us a call. 815-918-4727 and tell them that you heard about us on the Digging In Podcast. Until next time, keep digging in. This was Digging In Podcast. Presented by Rooted Wealth Advisors.